The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. The one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. Hello there. Uh, thanks for downloading the Old Gold Club podcast. We'll get you to the podcast in a minute. Just a reminder that we are doing a live show at the Wolverhampton Grand Theatre. It's Friday, June the 7th. Tickets very competitively priced. Just start at just £10. Uh, apparently, it's going to be you know at a time in the summer when, uh, as our boss says, people are just itching for football. Just desperate to be there. And that's what we are going to deliver. <laughs> Apparently so. Um, what time's that? It's uh, going to start around about 8 o'clock, I think. It's a little bit late, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit late? I don't think so. It's a proper <laughs> Friday night out, this. Friday, June the 7th. Yeah, afterwards, yeah. Where can people get their tickets from? Yeah, the grandtheatre.co.uk. So, uh, yeah, go spend. Come and see us. It's going to be a great night. So hello there and welcome to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows, Chris Wellamo alongside me. Morning, Mikey. Uh, hello, good morning. I'm just saying it's a great how you've right, it's not, it's not morning anger when... to complete calm to, to just... I uh, wasn't just, angry, you yeah. were angry. You got a bit angry, got a bit aggressive, as always. Because we, we try and start this podcast and you're just nattering away to our guests, which is Robbie Dennison. Hello, Robbie, uh, right Robbie, He must not want me to talk to you until he says... Hi, welcome. This is the podcast. You must not want me to, to talk been, to you he's until then. The boss, so I just think it's embarrassing. All right, so Chris, I worked so, with him for a few so years as well we, when he was just starting off, and he was exactly the same. Was he? Yeah. Doing the radio was he? Basically, Robbie's to blame for how I am now. So yeah. I need to actually can we? I'll apologise now to all the guests. I'm not going to say a word to you, not even a hello. I might shake your hand <laughs> until Mikey does his introduction because I'm getting my head chewed off. It's the Mikey Burrows show, mate. Let's yeah, just take my name off. Just make it. It's Mikey and it's me on my own. And yeah, my guest today, Chris, and shambles me. You finished? Better respect, all right? You finished? Yeah, I'm done now. All right. Hi, Robbie, by the way. Good to see you again, mate. Yeah. Yeah, you are to blame for how I am now. Also, it's your fault, Robbie. It's Robbie's fault. You can blame me for all that now, mate. I, I am blaming you for a lot of things. We had a good time when you were starting off with the, the, yeah, we the, did. the commentator. Then. We did, up and down the country, uh, going to pick Robbie up at ridiculous times in the morning to drive to games. Absolutely. When you'd been working all night. Well, some of the time. <laughs> yeah, some of the times. But was, listen, I really enjoyed it, do you know what I mean? It was all part of um, keeping that association with the club, really, that, that I enjoyed. Um, going to see what's the club that you played for 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 a long time, you know. So it was nice to be a part of it at that time. I think that was mostly like McCarthy's time, wasn't it? Yeah, because you'd done it with Bill Hatton. Yeah, started with Bill. Me. Yeah, I had then, about four or five years just doing it, and it was uh, no, good, it was, it was good enjoyable. Years. Well, there were good years because the club were doing reasonably well. Then. Yeah, Mick got them back into the, the Premiership and stuff. So yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, and then I came in and ruined <clears> it for Robbie. And we said, no, you moved on bigger, better things, mate, didn't you? <laughs> no, and I just you just got rid of me. Like, you just, Chris, that's probably what'll happen to you, mate. Yeah, you'll move on to bigger, better things, and you'll be, you be out the door, mate. Tommy needs this. <laughs> Honestly, why did I get him back in there? I knew this was going to But happen. I have to say, you have it's like one of those. I've, I've asked a few uh, of our guests, and and it, and it is, you know, I think we talk about football, the pitches, the the I guess the boots, the, the football itself back in the day, and it is, it's. If those players came today, they're probably more technical back then. You're saying you're saying uh, off air, obviously. Yeah. So this is what we were talking about basically before you uh, we stopped off. to record the podcast because this is all good stuff. And Robbie was saying some great things, and I wanted it recorded so people could hear it. Yeah. So I've I've probably been wrong to say that players back then couldn't come. A select few, but I've probably been a little bit unjust. That a lot of those players back then were technical. It's like you you said yourself when the ball's getting past you, it was first. 
make sure the ball's under control. It's not coming to you in a carpet. Yeah. The pitch, uh, November onwards, it was a bit different, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, listen, you look at the pitches now, they're the same the whole year round. Yeah. The pitch, like Molyneux, is absolutely phenomenal. I, I, and if you can't play football out there at the moment, then, and I'm not knocking anybody's ability, really, but it, but it, it's it's perfect for what how they, how they want to go about playing football. Throwing it out from the back and passing through the midfield. Absolutely fantastic. But in our time, it was... You got two or three months at the start of the season where the pitches were half decent, and then a bit of rain started coming into it, and they got heavy. Um, you weren't able to you could pass it a little bit, but you weren't able to pass it through mid midfield that much and stuff. Um, and then sort of February March time they firmed up a little bit, and then there's a few ruts come along, so it was even harder to play football. But I I just believe that technically the players in those days would be absolutely fine now. You know what I mean? Because, as I said, Chris, you know, your first thought in those times was, was to get the ball under control. Nowadays, you can you can think about what you're going to do with it as soon as it comes to you. You're going to move it on first time and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think in those days, technically, if you're a good player, you could play now, Not, with no shadow of a doubt. Because you, you, you play to suit the conditions, you play to suit the time. Yeah. And the time now is passing time. Where you can roll it out from the back, where you can get it to the centre half, where you can get it back to the centre half in the midfield, and you can do all that, and it involves the players more often. Now, I played in the wing from '87, well, basically from when I came across. Were you involved in the games as much as you'd like to be? You weren't, because you couldn't pass it. You know, I, I see Matt Doherty now just stand out in the line whenever they've got possession. I see Johnny on the left hand side, yep. you know, hugging the lines whenever they've got possession because they know they're going to get involved in the game. And they're able to do that. Now, at times I'd have been drifting in to try and get a touch because you weren't able to pass as much as you, you can now. Yeah. But in answer to your question, would the technical players be able to play now? Absolutely. Not a, with, without a shadow of a doubt. I think in those days there was, there was a few players in each team who, who got stuck in and, and kicked a few people along the way because that's the way the time yeah. was. I don't, see, I don't think you see as many people as that now. I, I need to ask you this then. On, on the spin side of that, today, the social media... Everything it's going about, and I know it's football. <clears throat> it was probably a little bit more relaxed then. Things were accepted then, wasn't it? Whereas today's football, it's not. Sports science has come into football now a lot more. So even even from when I started to when I finished, it's 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 came in. Would that have been a would that have been a hindrance or a benefit? The, the, because I know the boys like to go out for a drink and they could go out. You know what I mean? I think Robbo said himself that he, he had a little school that would he would go out on a on a on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night. He, he was a you know teacher. I mean? He was the teacher. He was, as well, he was, he was the teacher, the headmaster, and the rest that went with it. Yeah. But I'm just saying that can't happen today because uh, uh, social yeah. media picture taking, and I think there's pros and cons to it, isn't there? I think the, the the fans lose out as well because of that connection. Sport I think we we used to we used to go we, we used to every night again you'd go into Wolverhampton and during the week and stuff and have a beer whenever you have got a day off the following day. Um all the lads together, which I think creates a, a friendship and a, a, a unity with, with a group of lads. Um after games we were down we used to go down to Furs and Castlecroft, which is one of the local pubs down down around here. Yeah. Straight in if you're rubbish, you were told you're rubbish. If you played well, you got a pat in the back. But that was right after the game. Yeah. Now, I, I tell a story here where um, I had a testimonial season and Graham Taylor was the manager then. So my my committee have put 10 shirts into local pubs, right? Signed shirts in the local pubs, having a raffle, draw the raffle out, get a few quid, blah, blah, blah. But one of the games was um, uh, Bradford City at home here and I have to go to the goalpost which is 100 yards down the road, yeah. to present the shirt straight after the game, right, to the winner, right? So 
I've come out. We've lost one nil in Ormondroid. We were flying at the time, by the way, absolutely flying. We've lost the game, but Bradford's struggling. Lost the game. We've got booted off, right? So I've come out of the, the change rooms. I'm with the committee boys waiting for me. And he says, "Come on, we're going down." I said, "I'm not going down now." I said, "We've got absolutely lynched." He says, "No, we'll have to go down." So we've gone down, walked 50 yards down the road, walked in. The place is absolutely buzzing, right? Fantastic. But an hour and a half later, I've had five pints of Guinness and I'm singing Danny Boy in the karaoke, <laughs> right? Now, now you can't, you would not be able to do that now, Chris. No. You know what I mean? Because the lads wouldn't be seen to be if they lost the game, stand with a beard, eight o'clock at night, you know, having a smile on their face for whatever reason. Yeah. The connection with the club or the the fans that's gone. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I think what comes with the wages and all that they get today, that's part of the game. I think right. it's um, they can't be seen to be. I, I think the fans look at it as if they. And I'm not criticising fans, but that's just the way it is. I think the fans look at it as if the kind of own players now, and they need to know exactly what they're doing from minute to minute. And the media probably do as well. Yeah. Um, so the players have to be very, very careful. I would. I wouldn't go on if I was playing now. I wouldn't go on social media. You just wouldn't, because you can't. You, you say something out of order when you've maybe had a couple of drinks at home or whatever, and you get, get absolutely slaughtered because of it. So, I think the fans miss out. I think the players miss out a bit as well with that connection with the fans. But it's it's the time now, and I think with the wages and all that's that's what it comes with. And do you yeah. think there's there's no way back there? Do you think that's that divides just going to get I, bigger and bigger now? I think at the top levels, there's no way back. I think at the top levels. But listen, if they're producing what they produce here on a Saturday afternoon, I think the fans are happy with that. I don't imagine, think. imagine the imagine the, <clears throat> they walk into the the local for a couple of drinks and that, and the fans. You know, what I mean, it's it's a completely it takes it to another level. You know yeah. what I mean? But it just can't it can't happen. Safety as well, security, everything's looked at in a completely different way. Now. It definitely is, yeah. It definitely is, and I, I I think listen that we were all quite sociable in those days. You know what I mean? But that that's the way it was in those days. Most most of this, most teams did it, so that's the way it was. Um, and I think that connection with the fans is gone now. And I think it's a pity, you know, in a way it's a pity it has. Um, one of the uh, random questions that people have sent in, thank you for sending them, by the way, <coughs> goldclubatwolves.co.uk, at Wolves on social media. Um, it's kind of related to this. Bibby has asked, what is the funniest episode that you've had with rival fans? So you've got a relationship with your own fans, but what about rival fans? Uh I had a, I played a game. <clears throat> it was against old rival fans, obviously against uh, for Burnley against Port Vale in the FA Cup, and uh, obviously I'm I'm the last Stoke City player to score against Port Vale, so the, the fans they, they don't like me anyway. Uh, and I remember I've I've closed down. I've actually ran ran one of my channel one of my three channel runs for the season, <laughs> and I've uh, I've closed down the the centre back, and he's he's cleared it, but he's 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 smashed it right into the side of my face and I've 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 floored and you hear all them cheering and that so I'm in bits Robbie I'm in absolute <clears throat> bits you know like I'm I'm you know like you can't even see your eyes are open but you can't see your head's killing you and I've got up I felt the side of my head my ear I thought I had to grow another head I thought and I, so I've just kind of jogged back jogged like trying to get myself together and uh, and the, the ref blew for half time it was right I'm, it saved me because I, I was struggling and I remember I've walked in looked in the mirror I've had to ice my ear down I went out and played the second half and I had to ice my ear for the next three days or I had one of those you know, Ca- the cauliflower rays. Uh but the fans honestly the stick that I got coming in from half time even being floored by the 
they just uh, yeah, I got some some abuse, but yeah, I just deserve, I guess. Because you must have got some, because obviously playing out wide as well, you're kind of right on the touchline. No, but I came inside of it. Give me any abuses, just come inside of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest thing, um, <clears throat> the way France, not not so much on a personal level, I think we, we spoke about the Newcastle game, New Year's Eve. <clears throat> now, at that time, we were going really well in the, in the, um, the championship, and but Newcastle were struggling, and you know how fanatical they are up in Newcastle. Absolutely mental. Um, now, we went, I think we went through. 3-1 up and uh, they were taking a, 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 um, a kick-off again and uh, a couple of couple of, couple of of fans got on and they, they, they went to attack Kevin Brock taking the, the kick-off he was giving dogs abuse dogs abuse right so they got them off police stewards got them off and then um, we went 4-1 up then Bully scored another one <laughs> made his, scored his fourth one and there's another big ruckus and I looked over to the dugout and there's a big pile of people close to their dugout and there was stewards, there was fans, there was police trying to get these people off. And at the bottom of it all was Jim Smith, right, lying with his big bald head, right, and it was purple, right. He was lying, someone had attacked him, right, and the stewards and all were trying to get him off. And he was lying there with a big bald head. And everybody was, <laughs> what's this all about, you know what I mean? But it was just, um, they were fanatical, those fans, and that's a different way of showing your passion, really, but we, we um, performed well against them at the end. There was just, there was just a, a mental attitude, but playing against the Albion and, and uh, in those days, whenever me, Bully and Tomo had just come from the, yeah. the Albion to Wolves. And, you scored on your first returns, though. <clears throat> yeah, and Bully scored in the last minute uh, to win it because um, I scored a free kick, Bully scored, and Bully came running across to me, and he grabbed me, and he goes, he's pointing to the Albion fans, and he goes, give it to him, Denno, give it to him, Denno. Did you, did you <laughs> celebrate, did you? Yeah, well, I did, yeah. I was running back to half well, and he grabbed me, he says, give it to him, Denno, give it to him. <laughs> he's expecting me to go to the Albion fans, to give it all this, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the, the best thing about whenever you went anywhere, really, was Bully took all the flack. Seriously, when it, anybody, any abuse or anything that come any of the players' way, yeah. Bully got it all. So we were quite happy with that, you know. <laughs> All right. Um, Tommy has asked, which club had the worst changing rooms? See, I, I, I didn't mind the, the, the little... Oh, what club? Of, I remember I went to... Oh, oh look at the little club come to me. Is it Chesterfield? The old one. It used to be shocking. Bradford as well. Bradford away. That was the smallest dressing room I've ever been in. But Colchester and Oldham... I loved it. There was a good, there was a great vibe, great, great, great rise. The the dressing room wasn't the best, but yeah, it was. We made Lear Road. Lear Road was a an absolute fortress. You know what I mean? The Lear, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Bradford away. That was one of the worst dressing rooms I've ever, I've ever had to to be. I think the toilet was. You had to share toilets with the the home team as well so that was an interesting <laughs> one half time yeah. so you, you come in at half time like, yeah, yeah, and then fighting each other go into yeah. your separate rooms well done well done send the half <laughs> <laughs> send the send the half he's marked you the whole yeah. half you know yeah. what I mean he didn't have to come in with me as well you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I imagine the fourth division the fourth division in the 80s you've got places like Halifax and all that sort of stuff you know but that, I grew up with it like in the Irish League you know, I was playing the Irish League from a 16 to 22. You went to places like Larn and Eric Ferguson and places like that, you know, and this was in the, the, the top division. And there were just boxes, you know what I mean? There were boxes with 15 people trying to get changed, you know. And But it was all part of it. And, you know, so when it did come across and I was playing at Halifax and places like that, it didn't, didn't bother me one, one little bit, you know. Yeah. 
didn't bother me. Okay. Um, Carlos <clears throat> Fandango has asked Looms, can you lend him 50 quid? What, for nothing? I don't know. He's not even going to offer a service. What? Well, he said lend. I don't think he was offering to do something for the 50 quid. Just lend someone. Just like that. All right, we'll take that as a no, Carlos. Um, Richard says, uh, what would you have been if you hadn't made it as a professional footballer? Sounds a bit of a geek at school. It's as hard as that is to believe. It's quite a teacher. PE teacher. That's what I wanted to be. That's what I had a choice. <clears throat> professional footballer. Uh, university and then I chose uh, yeah well chose professional football didn't I worked out alright done alright I got my degree uh, I graduate again on the 10th of uh, April I passed the Congratulations. corporate governance course yeah thank you that was a uh, exam conditions written exam that uh, I never want to be in ever again haven't done that for 24 years but uh, yeah passed. and will, will you use the the degree then, Chris? Uh, well, I've got a journalism degree, and then I've got this. So He's I can not now, using that. I can so. now start. Yeah, I know. I'm just. Uh, uh, I can now start. Uh, you're looking at some non-exec roles. It's like diversity at boardroom level. So yeah. it was uh, PFA as well. So it was, uh, No, it was an interesting one. Very good. What would you have been? If I'd you probably work for Sky or something like that, mate. <laughs> <I'll>, uh, <laughs> well, if you hadn't worked the, uh, with me, you would have made it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> listen, I was a wages clerk in Ireland. Promo was. 19 to 22, uh, playing part-time football for Glenavon over there. Was was struggling with it whenever the, the opportunity came across to come over here, really, you know what I mean? So where that would have led to, I don't really know. I don't really know. It might have been on the management side of, of factories and stuff, or the factory at the time, but um, always wanted to play football. was into my sport. Everything that it did, cricket, rugby, whatever, I loved it yeah, all. You quite know. a sporty family, didn't you? Yeah, my brother played cricket for Ireland. He played for Glenavon in the football as well. My nephew has played for Northern Ireland. He's managing Glenavon. Um, so, yeah, it's, with, with good times with football. My dad took us everywhere. So it was um, it was all good stuff. But with as far as a career, school wasn't... Well, I actually did okay. You know, got eight O-levels at the time. Eight out of eight. Got a French one. I don't know where that one came from. <laughs> you <laughs> still speak French? I couldn't speak it then. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how I got it. So I, couldn't, I honestly couldn't speak it then. It took me three three attempts to get me English. So <laughs> I got French first time. Um, slept in for my A-level, for Maz, Maz A-level. So um, that's that was my attitude after that. But always wanted to get into sports. Um, fell into the, the, the work scenario a little bit but what it would have been I don't, I don't know to tell you the truth okay really don't know I mean you do, you've done an awful lot since you finished playing yeah too much <laughs> too much <laughs> I've been out of the game for 20 years now Maggie and you know the the thing about it is whenever I did stop playing I didn't really want to go into the coaching side or the management side so I, I came away from it right away maybe that's, that was the wrong attitude with the whole thing maybe I should have um, just done my badges got your badges and then you might have fallen into something then along the way but I just didn't want to do it so I came away from that but I've done various things on the property side and all kinds of stuff which we can't all go into you know what I mean but it's um, but as I said I've been 20 years out of it now yeah. so you keep on the move and do what you have to do is that that you said there about your your nephew as well? He's he's manager. At Glen, Glen Avon. So is that something as well that he he came and picked your brains about that? About he, he he does a little bit. He does a little bit. He's very strong. He was um, three years at Blackburn. Yeah. He he played up there whenever Graham Sinison was manager then. Um, he was very very good by the way. Yeah. Very good. He had trouble with his back, so he came back home. Um, made a good. Good career out of it back home. We got the, there was a time whenever they, they're paying decent wages. Yeah. Um, always going to go into the management side because he loves his football. Yeah. Loves his football. So um, 
Yeah, he he'll have a chat with you. You know, I don't see enough of them really to tell you the truth. Yeah. I don't get back often enough. Yeah. Get back once or twice yeah. a year. So, um, but they're they're doing well since he's took over last two or three years. He's he's done really well with them. Yeah. So, um, but where where he goes to from here, I don't really know. Yeah. Don't did, really know. Did you it. have Did you have an opportunity to maybe explore that side, or was it just? <clears throat> It was, it was hard to find, so you then you went. I, I think it was more me deciding not to. Right, okay. I think if it had, if it had gone back home, then I might have looked at it and, and done something back home. It would have been easier to get on the ladder back home. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just it was just a decision I made, Chris. Right. You know, I, I didn't didn't really want to go into the coaching side at the, at that time. Um, as I say, I look back on it now, and maybe should just just got the badges and see if it if it led to something. But no, it's um, I'm not too disappointed that I didn't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. one of those. Well, we can talk a lot about your career and your goals at Wembley. Multiple. Thank you. Goals Thank at you. Wembley to talk about when we get into the show very shortly. As ever, if you've got any questions for Looms and our guests, oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk, at Wolves across social media as well. We're going to hear from our sponsor, Wolverhampton Building Supplies. They are at WV Build Supplies on Twitter. And then it's the show. Wolverhampton Building Supplies is your one-stop shop for all building and DIY products. And now they're giving listeners of the Old Gold Club an extra 10% off of the already low prices. It doesn't matter if you're a professional builder or just looking to put up a shelf at home. Just tell them in store that you listen to the Old Gold Club and you'll get an even better price in store. So check them out online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk then head to their yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or give them a call on 01902 500 140. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Alongside me, as ever, is Chris Awellabo. And our guest this week spent 10 years at Molyneux between 1987 and 1997, making 353 appearances, 22nd on the all-time list, scoring 49 goals, joint 33rd on the all-time list. Welcome to the Old Gold Club, Robbie Dennison. Not bad for a keeper, but was it? It's not bad. It's not bad at all. Um, two of those goals, of course, came at Wembley. <clears throat> and I'm going to get yeah. this out of the way straight away. <laughs> start with a good bit then, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Start, with, start with the greatest moments. Goodness me. Listen, um, obviously, in those days, whenever I joined 87, the club was sort of struggling struggling a little bit, you know what I mean? And it took a while to get things, get things moving and get things back on course. But... In those f- first couple of years, we were lucky enough to win a couple of championships, but also we, we played at Wembley twice as well, once in the Sherpa van and also in uh, Football League Centenary as well. And I was lucky and enough. you scored two incredible I goals. Well, the bigger goals at Wembley. They definitely <laughs> are. But it's, um, no, 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 it, was, it was great to be part of all that, really. You know, it, It's a dream for any, any young lad or whatever to, pl- to play at Wembley. Um, to walk out in front of a full house as well with, I think it was over 50,000 Wolves fans there that day. And... And to win the game, and okay, everybody says it's you know it doesn't matter who scores, but whenever you look back on it twenty years later or whatever, then it's nice to to, to score as well, you know, as well as winning the game. I'm looking at I'm looking at one of the thirty yard strike right into the top. I mean, what's he doing? Even what's the keeper doing? It's Neville Southall, you know what I mean? He was, <laughs> he, I think he was rated as one of the best keepers in the world at that time as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, it's just one of those days. Sometimes they, they can go anywhere, you know. Had a free kick as well, uh, win behind, so and the Sherpa van, but. They can fly in sometimes, and they and they, they can fly over sometimes. But it was just it was just a fantastic occasion, both of them. 
Um, I agreed to be a part of it, and it was. Um, I think the Wolves, Wolves fans enjoyed it because we were looking back on some of it, and um, when we went to Wembley to play Tottenham uh, just before, uh, just after Christmas, yeah, and it was kind of, and there was a realization that it's kind of Wolves hadn't been there since then, since the '88. Yeah, it was actually my lad that told me that that, that was the last on the the day of the game. My lad told me I was the last Wolves player to score at Wembley, so which really did take me back. You know, a club this size. Um, should should have had more appearances at Wembley than what it's had. Obviously, it, it hit um, difficult times at times. But listen, it's, it's getting back on track now, and hopefully, there's there's another Wembley appearance on the way. So it's um, it's great to see how things are going now. Because we got to talk about what Wolves was like when you first arrived. Because I was looking through some of the stats books the, the other day preparing for this, and like you, uh, we talked a little bit about it with Ali Robertson when he was it, and about kind of just how low things had got. Because when you look at some of the footage from some of the games in that 80s period, you know, Molyneux is completely different. There are stands that are not even being used. The attendances are down to like five, <clears> 6,000 <throat> at times. I think I played a, a midweek game, I think. Um, I can't even remember who it was against. Maybe it was five, five and a half thousand. Um, now, I joined in uh, March 87. Um, we had a decent run at the end of the season, just missed out on the, on the playoffs that season. But... The club was was just getting back on on the playing side, just getting back on on track a little bit at that time. But you know the state of the club was the change rooms. It just you know there's water coming through the ceiling. If it rained heavily during the night, there's water coming through the ceiling. Um, the training kit there just wasn't any training kit really. The first day I walked in was the Friday after um, a deadline day in March. Um, I signed on the Thursday, walked in on the Friday, and this this uh, lady walks in, Mrs. Clamp. Uh, she was the laundry lady, and she had a big basket full of of what I thought were rags, really. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and she threw them on the floor, and all the lads scrambled to get the training kit. And I'm left there just sitting with my boots, two slips, and a, a and a towel. And I'm wondering where I'm getting my kit from. And then Paul Darby walks out with a brand new, bright red tracksuit for me, right to wear straight out of the plastic, right. And I had to wear that. And you know what it's like when you go to the a new club for the first time. Yeah, you just want to hide, don't you? You just <laughs> get the first day over with, get to know the lads a bit. But and I ended up in the bright red tracksuit. But listen, the, the facilities were poor. But I just, I just came. I wanted to play football. I wanted yeah. to get get games and and get sort of back on track with with playing. But and that's that's really why I wanted to join. Right. So you're 23 years old. <clears throat> uh, obviously at West Brom, played what's I think 20 odd 20 odd games there. Yeah. Uh, Still, well, still, 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 it's not bad. Obviously, you want to play football. Wolves are in the condition they're in. Obviously, Bullied went, Tom Wood went. Did that play a part? Obviously, Graham Turner as well. Did he show? Did he show interest and have that direct contact with yourself as well? Graham Turner showed the interest that he wanted to sign me. I'd, right. I'd known that they'd been watching me for for a few few games just because it was um, Ron Saunders at the time came in as manager, I think it was in, in January, um, 86 or there, thereabouts. But he, he made a play in the lab, wasn't his, his type of player. So you know eventually that you have to get away to play games of football. Yep. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, it was getting closer to, to March, the deadline day, 87. And I'm thinking, you know, what's going to happen here? Because he actually tried to sell me back to Ireland a couple of times, Northern Ireland. Um, there's a couple of clubs interested over there, so I didn't really want to go back straight back because I'd only just got off the boat, really. You know what I mean? So I didn't want to go back across there. I wanted to have a go over here still. Um, and then Graham Turner came in for me right on the deadline and um, signed. The fact that Andy Thompson and, and, and Bully were here helps a little bit, but it was still my decision was I wanted to play football. 
you know, wanted to get away, play football. When you walk in the change rooms and you see some friendly faces, well, not so much Tom will like, but you know, you see, <laughs> you see a few others. But it's um, no, it, it, it's nice to, to know that you know a few people in the, in yeah. the dressing room. Um, but it was purely the, the fact that I wanted to get get my own playing career back on track again, and I wanted to play football. Could you sense that there was a, a good <clears throat> team building here at the time? Because you were close to getting promoted that year. I think we won eleven out of the last twelve. I think we lost to Southend in that run and, and Southend were the, the team that pipped us to, uh, for third place it was and then went in the playoffs and didn't really play well enough to play playoffs to go through so uh, we missed out on that but I'll I tell you what you could sense you, you know there was a great atmosphere with the players you know they were a great group of lads enjoyed the crack you know enjoyed each other's company um, we did work hard during the week we did work hard because we got made sure of that um, you're expected to perform and, and do your job on the pitch and if you did that then everybody was happy then but you just felt it was starting to turn a little bit, you know, um, young side. There wasn't anybody, Ali Robb, you mentioned uh, before, who Ali was probably the only one who really got a history of any sort of games behind them. Yeah. Um, so there was young lads trying to get started in the game, enthusiastic to, to push on, and, and that's that's basically what was created in the first 12 months, 18 months of the, the Graham Turner's reign. What was what was your expectations of yourself? You know, obviously you're saying you want to play football, you want to be the best that you can be. Obviously a return of three goals, which is not bad as well. It's a, probably a few assists in there as well. What what was your demands on yourself as well as the demands from others on you? To create. Yeah. Create. First and foremost, I, I, I think, you know, the creative side of me was was more important sometimes than the goals. I knew I wasn't going to score twenty goals a season. Yeah, I, I like to chip in, but in those days I was more a, a winger. He stayed wide, you know, take people on, get crosses in, um, come inside the odd time, get shots away, and, and hopefully score a few that way. Um, from the, so that that's really what from from my point of view that's what I wanted to do. I would have set myself targets in games. If I was involved in games, I would have tried to have eight to ten crosses and two or three shots at goal. If I wasn't involved, then I made sure that I was doing the defensive side of the game properly, which was never the strongest side, if you've seen me play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was never the strongest side of my game, but you had to work as a unit. Yeah. You know, I basically worked with Tom who played left-back for, for a lot of the time, Mark Venus played left-back, um, so I worked with them as far as getting back and tracking and, and doing with, with the defensive side. Um, so from that side, yeah. But mainly for me, I wanted to get involved going forward. Because you had licence, didn't you? Because, I mean, if you've got a striker well, like Bully, you need someone to put the ball in the box for him. Well, of course, but I wouldn't call it licence. I would call it, you worked off your shape. You know, it was up to other people maybe to get me involved in the game because you're wide in the, in the game. And then once I got in the last third, then it was up to me to create. And that's what I wanted to do. And, and hopefully they did okay over the years doing it. Was that left to your own devices or was this something that was instilled from... Graham Turner or even Robbo the, these, yeah. these experienced players we work really hard Four four two. Chris nothing complicated the way yeah. it is now you see it more complicated now um, we worked really hard off that shape every Thursday we would bang 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 with and, and do and work on that shape and what we were going to do when the ball was played forward you go and support blah 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 and, and really that's, that's what was instilled and in, in how we worked but also the thing for me was with really good players for the level really good players for the level you had bully scoring 40 to 50 goals a season you've got much going 20, 25 I was chipping in and defensively really solid so if you get a team that's well organised and, and working hard for each other and you've got good players for that level yeah. you've got a chance of being successful and, and I think the first two or three seasons that's what that's what you find Because uh, Bully scored uh, I think it was 102 goals 
in two seasons. In those first two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you always? That's... Do you often look at it and go, "I set out most of them. <laughs> Why am I not getting the credit?" <laughs> Listen, you know, I, I, I tell us the um, goals win your games, really, don't you? And people acknowledge the fact that you know who scores the goals probably gets the most praise, and that's and that's the way it is, and, and gets the most accolades. Um, no, I, my first thirteen years was playing with Bully through West Brom, and then coming to here. Now, our careers and, and Thomas' career as well sort of went hand in hand, really, for those 13, 14 years. Now, we'll come away from the game and, and Bully's got a stand name after him. He's got an OBE <laughs> or an MBE, whatever it is. He's got the freedom of the city. You know what I mean? So, goals, Where, goals, goals win your games. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, that's the difference, really, isn't it? But, listen, any time I've been bought a pint in the pub, it's because of the goal I've scored at Wembley or the goal I've scored my, my last goal against Man City and stuff like that. Um, but you know for a fact working off the team you know your role in the team and if you've done a good job then you're happy enough for that as well because I told Looms off for trying to talk about this off air and I wanted it to be on this show on kind of we often ask people what their value would be in the modern game and if you he's getting annoyed at me I don't think you should answer I'll be honest if um, you know know, in your position playing the way that you did scoring the goals that you were capable of scoring but also making the amount of chances that you did you've got to be worth some money haven't you in the modern you've, got, you've got to give them what I'm trying to think Kenny Hibbert what was that was, fifth, was it yeah, 50 million Ke- Kenny I mean there were, Kenny, 50. Kenny thought he was 50 that's what he, that's what he <laughs> threw out there he, he, he rolled it into the it, it, it's so hard to judge, isn't it? You know, it, it is so hard to judge. I'm not just sitting on the fence with the really yes, because sure. yes, sure. <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what you're doing. All right, sixty then. <laughs> sixty is. But, it's in. I think, but seriously though, but listen, I never scored goals, making assists. You know what I mean? Kenny, Kenny played in the League One Division yeah, One at that division. time, so he played the top division for 400 games, whatever it was. Kenny did. I, I didn't. I played in the Albion whenever I first came over for the Albion. I played 15, 16 games at the, the top level. Um, so most of my games were played up to championship level really two or three years lower leagues seven years eight, eight years in the championship so if you're assessing it from that then you wouldn't be 50, 60 million whatever it's, it's going to be um, so <laughs> I look at what's being bought now in the, in the championship and stuff like that for decent championship players and they're paying 10 to 15 million for them you know, so but but listen, I'm, I'm only guessing that you know, yeah. my game 20 years, my time was 25 years ago, so it is so difficult to say now. Yeah, yeah so but there's also say. the element that uh, I, I guess modern day, given the the kind of stats that you would have produced, there would have been you know, and maybe not so much then, but you know, like big clubs now, because of the the fact that you know you you count as homegrown, the whole Northern Irish thing coming through, there's that premium around the English league and, and players that come through from British players that, you know, there would have been, I think people would have paid at least 15 for you in the modern game. That's nice of you to say that. At least 15. Well, you know, it's all a science now, so it is all stats and what you do and you've got these things in your on your shirts and all to, to say how much you've run and all that sort of stuff now. They'd have probably looked at my stats and think, <laughs> and think it was broken a few times. You know what I mean? <laughs> because because the figures would be thrown up. But it was um, no. Listen, it, it's just a completely different game now, Mike. And you know, you, it's only guesswork to say what value you, you would have in the team at the minute. But um, but all I can say, um, my time was was my time, and that's how I look at it. Really, you know, my time was my time. I had a fantastic time for ten years at a, at a great club. Really, and that's and that's what I look back on and and think, you know, what I achieved coming over from Northern Ireland at 22, and um, late into the game, 
uh, and I went on to get a couple of championships, play at Wembley a couple of times, and for me, that's that's massive satisfaction for me. So whether it was I'm worth ten or five or whatever, it's neither here nor there really. Just look, sorry, just looking at the stats as well. What they, is it the 80, 89, 90 season? Started every league game, scoring eight goals and a winner against uh, the rivals as well. I mean, that's that's just putting that's putting zeros on the back of that, isn't it, Robbie? Well, you know, I think at that time, right, there was a, you could have named the team at that time. You know what I mean? I think probably eight or nine of the side. If you if you look at those stats, Chris probably played the whole way through the season. Yeah. So the team, unless you were really you lost three or four in the spin, then the gaffer might think about changing it. But the game versus or the team versus picked itself. Yeah. Um, because we were winning most games, we were going out and, and doing really well. So the gaffer wanted to play the same team next next game, next game, next game. So it was it was great to be a part of that. And as I say, the first two or three seasons of that was absolutely amazing, really, to be to be involved in, and also see the transformation that, that happened to the club through that, yeah. uh, with the ground changing and the facilities that were non-existent, then coming to the fore. Then it was, it was amazing to be a part of that. Because you kind of had, I guess, maybe like three different periods of Wolves. There's kind of the Wolves when you first arrive that has that incredible success and and rises back up through the divisions. Then there's the Wolves that kind of is acclimatising to being back in the second tier and can't quite get above that kind of mid-table period. And then all of a sudden, Sir Jack starts pumping money in and all these players arrive. Because I've seen you talk about the Graham Taylor era and then it's an era where actually probably you don't play as much as you were in an earlier period. And yet, I think you've been quoted on record as saying that if Taylor had stayed, if he'd had three years that Mark McGee had, then he would have got Definitely. Definitely. You liked um, him, didn't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. I liked how he worked. Um, but whenever Graham Taylor first came, I was I was out the door. I was out the door because he had signed Tony Daly. Uh, Steve Froggett, was, he might have been at the club before Taylor arrived, or he just came whenever okay, Taylor arrived. Sorry. Paul Birch was at the club. So there's three wide lads mm. who Graham Taylor loved, right, who were getting in ahead of me, right? So I'm looking at where I'm going to be next season, really. And then Tony Daly went in pre-season, his first pre-season and got his, his knee went right so that was him out for, for the full season and then I remember I was in the squad to go to Reading um, and playing the game Froggy got a really bad injury Steve Froggy he was out for the rest of the season then Paul Birch then in the second half he got a really bad injury right so he was virtually out for the rest of the season so Monday morning the gaffer Graham Taylor calls it a meeting and he looks around and he goes three wide men I've lost three wide men he says who am I going to play now Right, and he looks at me and he goes, "I suppose you'll have to." <laughs> right, so it's a bit of a laugh, you know what I mean? But um, I actually played the next game, all them away, scored a goal, and I got a, a really good run in the team then, and, and and did really well for him. But he was he was fair, you know what I mean? That, that that's the biggest thing you want as a manager, or f- from your manager. If you do well for him, then he's fair. And I actually ended up getting another two seasons out of it. I got a testimonial year out of it. Um, so for me, off the back of that period of about four or five months with him. He was um, he was really fair with me, so that's that's why I really like Buddy how he went about it. How, how's how's your your mental? You, you know, you have to have a kind of mindset in that <clears throat> when you're frustration and not playing because you want you want to just play football. Yeah, you've got three players in front of you, albeit they all they all kind of fall to to injury, but then to to, to bounce back and him to have that little bit of banter with you as funny as it was, it's, it's still a serious thing to you. You want to go out there and play the best that you can. You, you score a goal, you get that run of games, but that period that you weren't playing. How, how was it coming in every day, training? That must be difficult. It was difficult because 
the, the, the lads who weren't involved in the team were actually doing more running they were doing more weights fitness wise they were they were doing far more than the actual lads who were playing mm-hmm. there Chris but the thing about it is and you, you notice a player you have to keep yourself right for the, t- the opportunity when course, it comes of course and, and hopefully it does come and if it doesn't come then if you're playing reserve team football or whatever then you have to t- try and impress the people who are watching you then so you so really that's the mindset that you yeah, in no matter you have to be it's difficult though isn't it it is probably? yeah it's, 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 it's a nightmare sometimes Absolute nightmare if you don't even that not involved in the first team squad mm-hmm. and you hardly even come to the home games then you know what I mean because you're, you're annoyed with the whole thing and you want frustrated with the whole thing yeah. um, so you just want to get away and, and get playing again but my mindset was keep yourself fit uh, and when the opportunity comes if it does come then you have to push on with it and I was lucky enough that Brilliant. that that's, that's what happened because you talk about trying to keep yourself fit, because obviously there's a lot of injuries around at that period. I think you'd had an injury early 90s. You'd pick something up. And, was the last one, Matt, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were right after that. But it's kind of like, did you have to change your game after that? Did you feel yourself getting different different role in the team as you got older? Because by the time Graham Taylor arrives, kind of you're getting around 30-odd, aren't you? I don't, injuries were never a problem for me, my never a problem. Had but that have had a couple of hernias along the way. One at the Albion, uh, one at Wolves. Um, I had my Achilles done, just scraped out and, and serviced. I think I was I was ninety four, ninety five was the best thing I ever had done. Yeah. Um, but injuries never really kept me out of much of the season, any part of the season. Whenever I had my second hernia done, it was Mark McGee's time, and it was actually they say oh it could be six to ten weeks before you're back playing again I was playing at Villa Park in the League Cup in four and a half weeks after my hernia now was it fit no it probably wasn't fit but I wanted to get involved again I wanted to play anyway Mark McGee wanted me involved so ended up playing but I I'd, I'd never never had a, a problem with injuries at all um, I, I think it was only whenever you were getting to 32, 33, 34 then. Obviously, you, your game does change a little bit because you maybe haven't got the pace that you, you had before. But I, knew, I was never really explosive anyway, Mike. You know? <laughs> so it wasn't a case of you know losing much pace, you know. But um, but injury-wise, it was, I was fine. I didn't have any issues with injuries at all, so I was, I was, I was fortunate. And even now, I don't have any extra pains, you know, so I'm okay, I'm okay that way. Because we were talking about it before that kind of nowadays, if someone gets to... You know, 33, 32, 33, 34, and they're still playing. There's no one questions it. It's, it's almost the same. You don't get as long a contract anymore, yeah. but it's not as big a deal. Whereas maybe back then, was it different? When you go over 30, the people view you differently. I think it, it, it had just starting to change a little bit because Gordon Strachan around that time was pushing the boundaries, mm-hmm. right? Gordon Strachan, I think, was 37, 38, yeah. 39, maybe, whenever. So everybody was starting to look at it differently, Mike. But whenever I first came over, you would have said 31, 32, everybody was looking at you as if, you know, that's you finished, that's you done. Um, but then it did the whole mentality of, listen, if you're fit enough or if you're old or 35, 36, but if you're still fit enough to play, then let's, let's continue playing. And, and Gordon Strachan, for me, was the one that really changed the whole attitude to that. Yeah, I think uh, gone are the days that, that players stay at clubs for such a long period of time. You know, is, is that a... A point where you get to a stage where you think I'm I'm not a mile a million miles away from that 
that testimonial year? Does it play a part? Because you said yourself you you've came into the the, the team with, with Taylor. Uh, you, you've kept yourself in great shape. You've you've bounced back with the goal in the first game. You've had that run of games that's that's brought a bit of success for yourself. But it's also it's extended your Wolves career because you thought you were gone. Yep. Testimonial now. It's only it's only a, a year and a half away. Mm-hmm. That does come into but, the head, surely. It, it does when you when you when you're trying to agree the the contract. Then it does because and right. they see the okay. only um, uh, the only offer is a year, right? So I went and I said, listen, you know. Tomo had, had got 10 years and he'd got a testimonial bully as well that came around the same time. I just, my argument was, you know, please, please can have it. <laughs> yep. So they said yes, but then once you've you've agreed the contract and you know you're getting your testimonial out at the end of the, the, the second year, then you want to play. You still want to play, you still want to continue. You're not just sitting on your laurels and saying, listen, I've got this coming up, blah, blah, blah. You know, you, you want to play, still be involved and, and push on with it again. And if so, Try to get another year afterwards and of all course, that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So you just want to keep playing and playing. Um, the money wasn't in that time, Chris, wasn't the issue with it, the whole thing, really. Um, nice to get the testimonial, but the money as far as agreeing the contract wasn't an issue at all. You just want games and, uh, to get another few years out. Because you obviously then, you had a, a, a loan spell away mm-hmm. at Swansea, and then you you actually did kind of force your way back in. You had... Uh, I think it was 14 appearances in 96-97 though the majority of them came in a, a middle period of the season Do was, you, it, was that Mark McGee's time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Do you ever feel like you had more <clears throat> still left to give at this club by, before you left? Yeah at least another year um, I, I, I probably was as fit as I'd, I'd ever been at 30 34 when I left and I was as fit as I'd, I'd ever been, really. And as, as I said, my, it was, I was never explosive as far as, you know, losing pace and all that sort of stuff. At 34, I could still play, I could still do what I had to do, and I'm still doing the same things that I was doing when I was 28, 29. So if you ask me that, yes, yes, it, I do think I had another year, maybe two years here. Why do you think um, you didn't get it? I think it's always a case of managers looking change sometimes. You know, the, 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 I think the season, we might have gotten the playoffs the, the last season I was here, yeah. did we get in the playoffs? Yeah. Crystal Palace. Um, but there's always a case for whenever it doesn't quite happen. Um, managers looking manage change. Um, if I've only played 16, 17 games that season, I've been there 10 years, you know, is it time to move move Robbie on and, and, and try to get a fresh face in? Maybe that was the attitude, but it was... Um, you know, sort of half expected. Halfway through the season, I sort of realised what was going on. But if you ask me fitness-wise and all, I, I, I think I've got at least another year left. Um, we often talk about kind of random events that happen through. Because, you know, we've talked about Sherpa Van and we've talked about some of the other things. And Keith Downing talked a lot about um, the first day of the season at Scarborough. <laughs> Back in the day, there's one other one that you're involved in, which we were talking a little bit before we came on air to record this, which is the trip to Newcastle. Yeah. New Year's Day. Because there were fans who chartered plane to get up there. Like, and you lads were on a cheeky night out, were you not? Cheeky night in. (laughs) 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 Um, Listen, you know, it's, it's... some of the hardest times, really, whenever you, you, you are a professional footballer and all, you, it, you, I won't say hardest times, you know, it's, it's great life and, and everything about it is fantastic, isn't it? But, um, but you, you'll go away New Year's Eve, you're stuck in hotels, even Christmas Day, sometimes you're stuck in hotels, and it does drag you away from the family and all that sort of stuff. So, um, But we went up to Newcastle New Year's Eve, 
um, with Newcastle on the, the the following day. The fans chartered flights up to to get up to it, um, and we were allowed to have a couple of beers on the on the evening time. Now some of the lads probably had a, a few more than they should have done. <laughs> Um, but we've gone out the next day and we're, we're absolutely fantastic you know we played absolutely amazing Bully scored four um, and it could have been five or six at the end of it all but that performance that day second half was as good as I was, I'd was ever been involved in with the Wolves it was it, it was amazing um, the fans loved it and everything about it just even the, the fact that it, that it was New Year's Day and everything about that was just totally amazing to, to be involved in something like that It's a new little pre-match night before eh? Yeah, I, I mean, you, but there must have been other times you went out for a little cheeky drink the night what? before. Yeah, but not me personally. Whenever you you were out and about, whenever you were um, away for on trips and stuff like that, with regards to you, you're playing friendlies and stuff like that. Yes, you did, right? But me personally, um, I might have had a glass of wine or whatever with a meal on a Friday night. But that that was it with me. Yeah. Because I couldn't, I couldn't function if I, if I woke up the next day and had four or five pints the night before. I actually couldn't couldn't function with it. Like yeah. some people could, and some people got away with it, and some people might have done it all the time, you know. Um, but Ali, I couldn't, I couldn't actually function doing that. Because Ali Rob told the story once. I think he was at Albion, and he said that um, he'd gone out. Him and a couple of others had gone out on a Friday night, and I think Big Ron was the manager, and he kind of called him in after the game, and Ali had kind of gone, "Well, we won, didn't we?" <laughs> so he basically, he basically then the had, a, he had an agreement whereby until they lost, it was all right to go out. Well, the Newcastle game, whenever we had a, had a few drinks in that one, one four one, that was fine. So the lads think they cracked it, right? Yeah. So the next game away was Sheffield United, right? Dave Bassett's time, and we get absolutely battered, right? They had a few drinks in the in the hotel that night as well, not not to the same extent, but just a few drinks. Got absolutely battered, lost three 0 and the gaffer next on the Monday called us all in and said, "Listen, that's the end of that, right?" So that that was the end of that. <laughs> so, so um, but listen, probably Newcastle as we're having a few beers as well went on the night time as well. So it's um, it's a time whenever you, little things like that did happen. I don't think they'll happen now. Well, there's also the famous story of in the build up to the Sherpa Van final, you guys all go to Spain, and Burnley are there as well. And you're shaking your head, but there's been people. But I wasn't on. there. You're not in this. No, I was in the. I was away with Northern Ireland. Ah, oh, so you didn't I get. I missed out on a Spanish trip to go to Northern Ireland, man. Well, you got Seriously. to play for your country. <laughs> well, I don't think my. Where would you rather, rather, rather have been? been? In Spain, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember if I played the game or not. But it's um, no. Whenever the whenever the lads did go away, it was it was such a tight group of lads. It was uh, and honestly. And everybody said, oh, they enjoyed each other's company. And, and, and they really did. They were just a group of mates, really, you know, having a go with the football. Uh, and we're half, half, you know, half decent doing it, you know. But whenever we did go, well, yeah, we'd, we'd enjoy the crack. Is that why it worked? Because you were It mate. helps. No, it, it definitely helps. It definitely helps. It, you know, if you're, like Keith Darning was, I room with Keith for four or five years and um, travelled in with him on the, on the daytime. And, and you've got Keith playing inside you on a Saturday. You know what I mean? And you're, he's your best buddy, you know. And if you can't pull a bit harder, and it, it, it's, it's psychological, you're not doing it on purpose, really. But you'll find that you are pulling a little bit harder from from people that you 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 enjoy the company, you're, you're good mates with, and obviously enjoy playing with. That that's that, that for me is will will always happen without without people really knowing it. But that 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 will always happen. Yeah, because you look at it sometimes and. Uh, we talk, mentioned it a little bit when we were joking about Bully's goals and stuff. It's like 
I yeah. wasn't jogging, mate. Well, no, you probably, I know you well <laughs> enough to know you probably weren't. But that kind of that era is defined really by bully, much you, and Tomo, and fans will always look at a thing, and I think there will always be, even though it was fourth division and third division, there will always, I think, be an affinity to that group. Well, I think the affinity comes from the fact that the club was really struggling at that time, mate. You know, and it was it was getting it back on track, and that, that's I think that's the, the big part of where the, the affinity comes from. Because would the club be where it is now without without that time? You know, because the club was was heading in a, a really bad direction at, at that time. And if if we had stayed in the, the the fourth division for a couple of seasons, three seasons, you know, Bully might have moved on, Muchy might have moved on. So all of a sudden, you're really struggling to get out of that level. Would Sir Jack? come on board then if you're struggling down at that level still so it was a big time to, to try and start move, moving things forward and and the affinity as I say comes from those group of lads and not just the, the four or five that you mentioned Maggie there was you know Mark Kendall was involved at that time you know Gary Bellamy and Floyd Street and, yeah. and people like that you know and um, so they all deserve the credit that even the, the like of Bully and, and what you're getting you know or, or do get so um, great to be involved in it and to, to see the transformation around that time in the club. The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. For the best price locally, head to wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk. So that was the show, on with the podcast. Um, just one final thing before we get into the rundown, and I'm interested in your views on this as well, Looms. Like, is it weird, Deno, um, when, you, when you've been at a club for so long... And you mentioned some of the names there that you kind of were part of the 80s, the revival. Is it weird when like they start to leave? Because I was looking back through the record books and in, in the record book I've got, it kind of says by season by season, it's like the list of players that kind of left that year. And I'm looking at it, you know, and it's like, you know, Andy Much goes off to, I think to Swindon at one point. You know, and it's like when you've been at a club for that long and the people you were there at the start are gone... Is that weird? Up to a point, Maggie, yeah. I think it all depends on the circumstances why they leave sometimes. I think whenever Muchy left um, at that time, I think it was before Muchy's time, really. As far as I, I thought, he was, he'd got another two or three years left to, to play at the Bulls, like he And myself and Andy Thompson, we were, were all sort of battling for contracts at that time with, with Graham Turner. Um, Muchy ended up leaving, and I know to this day, Muchy really not, not regretted his move but wanted to stay didn't want to move but, but really wanted to stay at the club and he, 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 the whole circumstances of, of how it happened um, wasn't really wasn't really good you know what I mean so um, so whenever people like that move on in those circumstances yeah it is hard but other people move on to what they perceive as, as, as bigger and better things yeah. so you shake their hand and off the go but football's a thing of change really you know the, the squads they change every year the deadline day of the way it used to be, you would you you'd change it the whole way through the, the year really with with what what the, you yeah. know teams could buy cl- players all through the season and stuff. So there were changes coming along, but um, so you just now listen if they're going on the bigger better things. Sometimes there's a sour taste with with stuff and you you, you feel agree with it, but no, this it's all part of what what the game's about. Yeah, I have to kind of agree. Obviously, I spent I was at Stoke for f- four and a half years. You know the likes of Peter Thorne, who's a Fans, fans favourite Graham Kavanagh had been there years they went on to kind of bigger not bigger and better but they went on to their rivals it was Stoke City and Cardiff we actually got promoted before them 
uh, but they went on bigger money, things like that. So you can understand it. I don't think there's, I think there's change. Like you see, every window there's new new players coming in. For me, I knew my time was up when the likes of Tony Pulis brought in. Adi Akinbayi, gifting No Williams and Carla Saber in the same window. So you're sitting thinking, right, right, well, okay, this I might not get as much game time, but and me as a player, I just wanted to go out and play, and that's why that's why that 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 came to an end. Um, we do need to mention as well how you felt, Bolton, playoff semi final. We've had Ned Kelly in, mm-hmm. David Kelly, who uh, weirdly, and I, I say weirdly because I find this weird. We talked about <coughs> VAR was around at the time then John McGinley probably gets sent off. Mm-hmm, definitely. And Wolves go on and you all get promoted. And he was very philosophical about it. I, listen, he punched Ned. So even in those that day and age, everybody saw it. And the referee spoke to the two of them. And the referee saw it. And he didn't even book him. He booked him. Oh, they did he book him, yeah. Booked. Well, listen, he should have been sent off. That, that's the way it is. Now, whether that... You know, gives us a buy into the next round. You know, it's neither here nor there, Maggie, because you, you, it doesn't necessarily mean to say that you're going to win the game. Because um, we're still, was, were we 2 1 up at that point? or uh, It was low because it was just the start of extra time. Yeah, and there was, so it was 1 0 then, so it was 2 2 yeah. at that time. Yeah, and uh, he, he, yeah. he scored the winner then, didn't he? Yeah. Listen, Ned is quite sort of fair with his assessments, you know what I mean? So if he doesn't feel agreed about it, that's fair enough. But the playoff, that, that game itself, um, was devastating for for a lot of us. Like really, you know, to to play it so well in the first game, which is where we really lost it. You know, you can talk about the John McKinley thing and, and whatever, but the first game where we absolutely battered um, Bolton, we only won the game two one. It, it could have, it should have been five or six or whatever. It should have, we played as well as we played all season, um, so the tie should have been over at that point. So nobody would have been talking about the John McKinley thing afterwards. But um, but. It was one of those things, but it, th- it took me quite a while to, to recover from that. That was a, a bit of a devastating blow because I'd been involved from the, the old fourth going up to through the leagues. Yeah. And the thing that you would have wanted to do, um, myself, Bully, Tomo, people who had been involved in all that, was to take the club into the Premiership yep. and play play with the club in the Premiership as well. And to say that you've you've taken them the whole way through um, would have been a fantastic achievement for, for each of us as, as individuals as well as the club. Unfortunately, that wasn't to be, but that is a, a massive, massive regret of, of the football time that we didn't achieve that. Because you were, I mean, you were decimated by injuries at the time. But we still had a good side, you know what I mean? Dean Richardson always playing at that time, but we're a, yeah. we're a good team, you know. And with, like, John DeWolf got injured just before the playoffs. And I've always believed that if John had been fit, he could, I think it was Lee Howe did him in one of the games close to the playoffs. Um, if he'd have been fit for the playoffs, we'd have gone through definitely because John was playing took a while for John to get uh, settled into the, the English type game and the pitches and all that sort of stuff um, but once he, he'd settled in he was an absolutely fantastic player for Wolves and, and I honestly believe if he had been fit for the, the Bolton game and then would have got into the final I, I think we'd have been would have been absolutely fine but as you say it's, it's one of those things but we played well enough in the first leg to go through to the final and we didn't achieve it um, did you say it was Lee Howie, by the way? I think it was Lee Howie because he did Jeff as well, didn't he? Yeah, I was going to say. Same, no, it's the same player. Like, how is this guy not public enemy number one? You better start that one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave that one with you. I'm going to try and track him down. Because <laughs> he really did. He did. Yeah, he did Jeff as well, didn't he? Yeah, Jeff did appreciate at that time as well. And 
couple of nasty ones. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting because it, I, I think there is still a lot of fans who will always look back on that game as um, one of the biggest injustices that Wolves have ever Wolves have ever had. Uh, yeah. Because the money that the money had started to be spent that must have been weird as well. That you know you've been there all through that period, and all mm. of a sudden the players are costing a million quid and whatnot. Rolling in almost every week, at but one point. but time time is just changing, Maggie. You know what I mean. As I said earlier on, that my time was my time with with, with my football time. The lads who were coming in later into the club and all, and um, Sir Jack started throwing a bit of money around. Um, as I said, my time was coming to an end. So the lads who were benefiting were, were the lads who were coming into the club, then really benefiting from it. Don't begrudge him any of it because you know I, I, I had a great time over my period of time. The money and everybody. Whenever you say that, everybody about the money and stuff. Everybody thinks you, oh, you, you know, you're you're not being serious about it. But I am being serious about it. I've always believed my time was my time, and I enjoyed and had great crack with, with with my time. Anybody that's made money afterwards, some of them are quite fortunate because there are times at the time when the money was flowing in, you know. So, um, so listen, you just move on and and you you take what you can get. Okay, let's get into the rundown. You're, you might like this you might not I might not I'm looking at your face you probably won't <laughs> I'll take the lead uh, best player that you played with at Wolves um, <clears throat> did you just have to give one or just one yeah well listen obviously Bully I know it's an obvious one to say but there was there were certain players that came to the club later on in their career like Gordon Carnes and, and Searle Big Searle came later on in his career who were absolutely fantastic players and we didn't play with them in their prime uh, Kevin Keane was was a fantastic footballer as well when he first came to the club, um, but if you look at over the over the years, with regards to um, the amount of goals that were scored and what he's what he's done for the club, um, Bully did his job better than anybody else at the at the club at that time and over over a long period of time. So it would have to be Bully really. Spot on. Uh, worst trainer at the club? Um, um, do you remember Tony Lyon, goalkeeper? Yeah, came from the Albion. Another one he that was came from Albion. Honestly, goalkeeper. He, he was at the time whenever goalkeepers didn't train really, really close <laughs> yeah. at, at the start. Whenever we were, what was it, 89, 90, he would have come across. He was just after oh, after me. But we used to go for runs uh, down Bagridge, around the hills. And you used to do a run, you could down into the middle of the of the, the valley, go up and, uh, up and round. So whoever was the quickest would have got the longest rest. So down in, if you, if you were reasonably quick you get a bit of a rest and then everybody set off again together Lange never stopped right? he never got a rest right? he was that slow he never got a rest so he had to go around and around, around the whole time. and it was 10 times harder then you know what I mean but he was uh, he was the worst trainer by far the worst trainer by far uh, the biggest mono Tony Lang again. <laughs> he was a London lad. He was down south, wasn't he? He was down that uh, way. Yeah. That. Oh, he used to he used to moan for for England. He did. He was um, moaned about the training, moaned about the kit, moaned about everything. But you know, in all fairness to him, keeping wise, he was he was a decent keeper. Reflexes, he was very very good. But oh, he's just he, he's just moaned about coming in in the morning. <laughs> That's the way he was. You know, some people are just like that, aren't they? The awesome. That's, he was like that. <laughs> uh, who was your best friend at Wolves? Um. It would have been Keith. Keith at the, at the time, whenever, as I say, whenever we Keith came in the summer of eighty eighty seven, in, in around that time. But we roomed together then for about four or five years before Keith moved on, and um, we would travelled in together. You know, best of buddies, really. Yeah. You know, so it was um, yeah, Keith and and Keith did a great job for Wolves as well. Man. 
he was fantastic. He, he needed people just to dig in a little bit. Keith was the man. He um, he told a great story on his episode where he said um, that Ali, when you went on nights out, Ali Robertson always <laughs> held the kitty. And he said all the older guys would go off with Ali Rob and they'd have the money and you younguns would be there moaning about not having it. And he said one time he plucked up the courage to go and <laughs> challenge Ali. And I think the quote was, yeah, when I woke up after it, you <laughs> not to do it again. Well, the, the thing about Keith, on the pitch, he was, he was, he was red mist. You know what I mean? You, you couldn't, whenever you walk out on the pitch, you couldn't have spoken to Keith because he was just like that. Yeah. But if you meet him away from the, the football... Which you have to Maggie and Chris, yeah. he's he's such a, a nice lad. You know what I mean. He just yeah. he doesn't come across, and he's quite timid. You know, he'd probably pluck up the courage with a couple of drinks to go and to go and ask Dally for the kitty. You know what I mean. <laughs> but but the, the, the total change of him from when he he was he was playing to to off the pitch was absolutely incredible. But it, but a, a great lad, and I don't see enough of him really. You know what I mean. He lives not far from me, and I don't see enough of him. But um, we'll catch up soon. No, good. Uh, best and worst dress sense? Oh, in our time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody was worst. <laughs> um, There's some great hair back in the day. There was, yeah. Uh, you know, it was a time when none of us could afford these clothes, to tell you the truth, because of the wages and all. Like, it was just you, you, you got what you had. But um, I think Ned Kelly, Dave Kelly, whenever he first came, and he started splicing a bit of money about jackets and stuff like that. He was the worst dresser, by the way. He thought they were nice, but they weren't, they weren't great at all, you know what I mean? But most of us, um, I don't know, best, there wasn't really a best. I think we're all just good, you know what I mean? <laughs> we're all just, had to be done. But no, there, there wasn't, the fashion thing wasn't in in those days, you know, so that's the way it was, like. Okay. Who was the funniest player that you played with? Um, there was a lad, McGooding, Redding. He was, he was Geordie lad. He was he was a great lad, you know. He went to um, he was he was as fit as a fiddle. He, Mick, I think Mick played on to he was about forty odd as well at, at Reading, did he? But he was um, he was just a funny lad, nights out and stuff like that. He, he used to this plate where he, he could take the plate out and he had a couple of teeth missing, so he played without the plate, didn't he? So you go out for an evening drinking with him. I was always on the Guinness, wasn't I? You get to the bottom of the Guinness and, <laughs> oh, no. and you go like that and, and mix mix teeth at the bottom of the Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people wouldn't find that funny, you know. But I find, I find, I find it quite. Funny. You found it but funny it the first just, couple yeah, of times. Yeah. <laughs> but he was—he was a great lad. He was—he was just buzzing all the time. You know what I mean? So, um, but the, but the changing rooms was 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 good fun. You know, there was a lot of lot of good lads in it. Uh, what was the? Who's the best manager that you worked for at Wolves? Um, well, I worked for three. I worked for Graham Graham Turner. The initial part, Graham Taylor and, and Mark McGee. Um, I can rule Mark McGee out of that one. The, um, He's not popular with a lot of people, well, is he? Listen, as I said before, it's all about being fair with people, really. And um, come to the end of my time, I didn't think it was fair with me, really. So that's that's my personal opinion. But um, but I don't don't hold a grudge about it. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> but um, Graham Turner, obviously, the, the initial part of what. Uh, Graham Turner did with the club, turning the club round and and having the foresight to see what he wanted with 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 regards players and and putting the team together and getting it organised. He gave me the opportunity to really go and play, you know. And, and whenever it proved that I could could do a decent job, I was in the side most weeks. So he gave me the opportunity to to play games of football, which was 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 fantastic. But 
Um, the Graham Taylor scenario, whenever they did well from him as well, and I got a testimonial out of that as well. Then um, I have to appreciate what he he did for me as well. But you know, the, the two of them, it's, it's it's hard to separate from me really. Yeah. I enjoyed my time with with both of them. You know, not quality. Uh, what was the best goal you scored? Do you know what? It was a pre-season game. No, come on. No, do you not? No one on that mention that one, Chris. No, bring it. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do you have to mention it? I don't want to mention the Wembley ones again. Well, it's, it's, well it, it can be the best for whatever reason. It's, it's, I like it when it. people come up with obscure ones because Yanni, who sat over there doing the sound, has to try and dig them out of the footage <laughs> somewhere. No, you'll never get it, by the way. No, it's all, I'll, I'll move on. So, no, no, pre-season. The pre-season was at Swansea Way. Mark Candle had actually just gone to, to Swansea, um, left the club, gone to Swansea. He was in goal. Um, and I just picked up the ball. It was about 10, 15 yards outside the 18-yard box, middle of the goals. I beat about seriously. It must have been four or five players just on the way, wing, 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 and then just slammed it into the top corner. And that's for for me technically that was the best goal I ever scored. Um, but but a lot of my goals were you know shots from outside the box and stuff. I never really had many tap ins because I was always around there. I never really got in the box because it was always sort of wide and wide areas and stuff. Yeah. So I, I scored a few decent ones from from outside the box and stuff. So. But you know, you asked me a question, Chris. No, okay, I've got the answer. What was the, the answer. what was the Man City one like? I, I can't, I couldn't. Man find City. The I ended up day. playing wing back, right hand side, which is something I played wing back a little bit near the end of end of my career. That's the only time I ever got suspended. I got five bookings, right? Playing wing back. I'm 30, 33 years of age, Chris, and I've got four of the bookings were pulling someone back. <laughs> yeah, pulling someone back, the quick wingers. Yeah, yeah. Right, I just grabbed them. I didn't even chase them, right? I just grabbed and pulled them back. And my last book was against Jordy Kinclancy. Do you remember Jordy Kinclancy? Yeah, yeah. He was absolutely fantastic. He'd be about five in the centre circle, and my rugby tackled him. <laughs> right? And that was, that was it. I wasn't going to chase him. You know what I mean? I wasn't going to chase him. So that was the only time I ever got suspended. But the Man City one was on the, on the right hand side, wing back, and it just cut inside and hit him my left foot in, in the top corner. But that was my last goal for Wolves, actually. So. Yeah. That's a decent one to finish with. Not bad at all. Yeah. Uh, Pat, I think we might have the footage of Yeah, that. you might find that one. <laughs> you might find that one. Uh, what was the best game that you were involved in at Wolves? Um, listen, everybody dreams of playing at Wembley. You know, and I think whenever the club at that time was just starting to, to go, get back to life again, you know, and the fact that you go to Wembley, growing up as as a kid, you... The FA Cup final was the, the only thing on, on telly, really. Whenever I was growing up, the FA Cup final was something you look forward to all year. Um, and as kids, you watched it, you sat down all, all morning, watched it in the evening time. And, and the thought, you know, every time the, the teams walked out of the tunnel on those games, it's just the hair was standing in the back of your neck. So to actually achieve it and do it in front of a full house, 50,000 Wolves fans, and to play in a game like that at Wembley, and everybody says, well, it's just Sony Sherpa fan, you know what I mean? But that was that was our FA Cup final really for for the lads who were involved in that so that was absolutely amazing wasn't yeah. the best game in the world um, but we won the game and, and we moved on it was, it was great cool. great to be, no it was great to be involved in yeah. it absolutely amazing man. we'll go on to the final question then uh, what was your proudest moment at Wolves do you know I, I, with Wolves itself yeah um, I think the proudest thing was was my testimonial I yep. think walking out, I, I got three. I better make this right now. Did I have three kids or two kids? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Now there's a three. You yeah. talk about that, yeah, and I'll yeah. find yeah. the picture. There's three, yeah. <laughs> there's three. I was carrying to you, mate. I remember that. Um, oh, I hope it's right. The uh, no, that that was a proud proud night yeah. for myself and my, my family as well. You know, because um, I got loads of friends come over from Ireland. Um, we played Blackburn, and uh, yeah, that's the one. There's three, yeah. <laughs> um, but just to, to be acknowledged for the fact that you've you've served the club well, you've you've given ten years service, um, and for people to turn out and watch it was was fantastic, and yeah. and that was that was a proud moment for mum, dad, and sisters, brothers, and everybody who came across from Ireland. So, yeah, it was um, that was the proudest moment. Yeah, no, perfect, brilliant. Um, I just want to finish off. Um, I, I genuinely like. I loved commentating with this guy because he's proper funny, and he used to tell us all these sorts of stories of your trips away with Northern Ireland to random places, uh, Eastern Europe, and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> the best bit, though, I've got of Deno doing commentary was when I got him back for a game not that long ago, um, alongside Tomo, and Robbie didn't know that we'd set up a little camera to kind of film the commentary position. And I'd given them some food, some chocolate. And it's just that it's the beauty of it. And it kind of sums up their relationship of the two of them giggling to each other every time they're fighting over chocolate buttons as they're coming through and not realising that we've got about 90 minutes of footage. Have <laughs> <laughs> you still got it? Yeah, I don't know. It must be somewhere on the computer somewhere. Listen, fo- fo- footballers never grow up, really, do they? You know what I mean? <laughs> still got that silly sense of humour, you know? <laughs> I love it. And you love coming back still, don't you? To watch the games? Yeah. yeah. Listen, I'm a fan now. You know, someone asked me, I did a bit of corporate last week and um, I went into, I'm not sure which bar it is. Is, is it a Legends bar? There was a bar where, where all the different uh, supporters clubs were in and there was some from Iceland and Norway and Sweden and and uh, the Republic of Northern Ireland and all that sort of stuff and it was fantastic just to go in uh, and see where they all come from just for games the Cardiff game yeah. um, and the first question was from this Icelandic boy he says are you, are you a fan of the club right and the truth is yeah I am yeah because whenever you've been with the club and, and have you know played 10 years of the club and been through a certain amount of things with, with the club and seeing the transfer, uh, transformation going on um, then you become a fan you know what I mean and those are the results you look for I'm lucky enough to live close in the area as well now um, which you've always done, um, and I get to see a lot of the games now, and it's it's absolutely fantastic to watch. Thanks for listening to the Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts.